Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We're finishing out a series today called United We Stand, and this series is a collaboration of churches around the Houston area. So thousands of believers across the city have been studying the same things, and what we're talking about is racial unity. Because this is a topic that has been uh, blaring through our media channels for the last uh, four or five months now. And so we wanted, uh, as the body of Christ, to be able to engage that conversation with humility and wisdom and grace. And today we're going to finish that out. So week one, we started with the origin of race and religion. We talked about the Tower of Babel. And we talked about how our sinful pride will always divide. And so it was really a call to humility. Week two, we talked about the the compassion quotient, our CQ, how to increase our compassion. We talked about how uh, we can live in the same place and among the same people, drive the same streets, and yet have two very different experiences based on our skin color. How we need to be people who are filled with compassion as we hear of those that have suffered in that way, okay? So increasing our compassion. Uh, Week three, last week, we talked about how uh, the gospel draws lines differently, right? We we saw how uh, Paul had to oppose Peter who was separating himself when all of his Jewish friends came into town and how the gospel draws the lines differently into this beautiful multi-ethnic family. It's the, it's the end-time vision of revelations, that this multitude before a throne of every tribe, language, nation. That's where we're headed. Today, I want to close out, and I want to um, I wanna give a message today inspired by Elvis, okay? Inspired by Elvis. It's called Suspicious Minds. Y'all remember the classic Elvis song? It was like 1968, I believe. He says, we can't go on together with suspicious minds. Can y'all sing that for me, right? Suspicious minds. Right, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got the echo. We can't build our dreams, right, on suspicious minds. Now, I want you to think about that lyric. We can't build our dreams on suspicious minds. I read an article this week uh, by Greg Morse. He lives in St. Paul, Minnesota. He is a staff writer for DesiringGod.org. He's also a six foot five black male. And if you remember, after George Floyd's death, there were riots, uh, streets were on fire, and St. Paul was affected. He and his wife and their young daughter were kind of getting sick of their four walls of their home during coronavirus, and they were grieving over all the things that they had watched. They watched the video of George Floyd's death, and then they saw their city literally burning, and so they decided to go on a prayer walk. 
And so they're walking the streets of their little neighborhood. They put their little daughter in a stroller. They start pushing her down that sidewalk, and they're just kind of talking and praying together, praying for the Floyd family, praying for our nation. And as he's walking the street, praying with his family, an elderly woman who happens to be white is walking towards him on the sidewalk, and they thought they heard a sound, like almost like a grunt of disgust. And then she crossed the street and walked on the other side. In the article, he says, what just happened there? What just happened there? And then he says, my flesh and the narrative of our cultural moment told me that what I should do is I should assume that she's racist. That's what I should do. I should assume that I, that I think I heard that sound. It sounded like disgust. I saw her across the street. And I think, according to my flesh and according to the narrative of our day, that that woman was racist. And he said, Can, if I were to continue that narrative, I could go home. I could be offended. I could go on Twitter. And I could say, it's so you know, it's so disheartening that I can't even walk, prayer walk the streets of my city without being profiled or without having someone look down upon me for my skin color. And what would happen is if I were to tweet that out, then all these people would say, we're so sorry, we're standing with you. He would have this outpouring of compassion. People would repost it on their wall about the disgust of racism. And then he says in the article, what we would have done if we would have conspired in an injustice, an injustice against that elderly woman. What just happened in that moment? Today, I want us to look at Titus chapter uh, three. If you have a copy of the scripture, that would be great. For those of you watching online today, pull out an actual Bible, or if you have an app on your phone that you read the Bible on, go to Titus chapter three. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a portion of scripture. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he's writing to Titus, who's kind of like a young protege. He calls him a true son in the faith. And Paul gives Titus instructions because what's happening is false teachers are coming in to Crete. Okay, it's the same circumcision party. The, the, the folks that we talked about last week are coming into Crete. So he's giving them very, very clear instructions on Christian living, like true Christian living. Titus chapter three, starting in verse one. Here's what he says. Remind them. Now he's talking about the church, the believers. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice, and envy hated by others in hating one another. Verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be, get this, careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have Paul instructing Titus, giving him very clear instructions. I mean, very simple instructions for how to live the Christian life truly and purely. And there's a a word in here in verse um, 2 He tells them to speak evil of no one, to speak evil of no one. Now, your translation may translate that word as slander, to slander. Slander, if you were to look at the Greek word, is blasphemeo. It's it's where we get our word blaspheme. And you probably think of the word blaspheme as far as don't blaspheme God. Like, don't say things that are false about him. Don't misrepresent him. Don't uh, don't say things that uh, that, that are unworthy of him. Don't blaspheme God. But Paul's using the word talking about one another blaspheming other people, slandering. That word means to vilify, to speak impiously, to defame, to rail on, to revile, to speak evil. If you were to look it up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it would say the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. You see, in the article that Greg Morse wrote, he said, how we answer the question of what just happened here will will determine the course of the conversations we're having about race and unity. This week has been beautiful weather, and last night and on a Wednesday night, I built a fire Oh, good for my soul. Like building a fire, so good for my soul. My boys, I have three boys. It's like they're camping in my driveway. They love it. Like we, we put hot dogs on sticks and we cooked them yesterday. It was so much fun. But as you know, the, the night goes on, if, if I don't put another log on the fire, what's going to happen, right? It's going to go out. The fire's going to cool down. I believe that slander, speaking evil of people, assuming that we know something about them that we don't really know is like one more log on the fire of racial disunity. That's what Greg Morse was talking about. The injustice that they would have committed against this elderly white woman would have been to slander her, to go online and say, look at what just happened. And everyone gets so upset again and they stir the pot and everyone's angry again because one more person just got racially profiled. He said, we would have slandered her. Slandered her. Now, 
this sin of slander has become acceptable or even respectable in our day and age, right? Has anybody watched a presidential election lately, like a debate, right? (laughs) Having a punchy, mudslinging response is part and parcel of our public civil life. And when it comes to racism, many are quick to play judge and jury on the actions and words of others, calling them racist or supremacist or calling them, hey, you always think everything's racist, We play judge and jury, and though it's become acceptable and even respectable in our day, God says something very, very different about slander. God calls it sin. Both the Old and the New Testament resound with this message. The ninth commandment of the Big Ten, Exodus chapter 20, verses 16 says, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. According to Proverbs God hates it. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19, it says, The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him, and it goes through the list. And the last two are this, a lying witness who gives false testimony and one who stirs up trouble amongst brothers. James, in James chapter 3, he calls it demonic behavior. Paul includes it in the behaviors of those who hate God in Romans chapter one. It's like the Bible isn't soft on the issue of slander. It's incredibly clear. And it says, look, it's sin. It's evil to slander. And remember, sins are not arbitrary things that religious people just wag their finger about. Stop sinning. Sin is this thing that God has defined for us clearly. Our creator has defined it for us in his word that is unchanging. It's not like there's a new edition coming out in 10 years where the rules change a little bit because the times have changed. We have a word that is eternal, never changing, written over the course of 1,500 years by 40 different authors, and all of it tells one compelling, complete story. And it defines for us the terms of relating to God. Here's what it means to walk in in the good life, to, to walk with God. So it defines sin for us, the things that damage our relationship to him, that separate us, the things that damage our relationship to one another and separate us from other people. And all sin is relational. It's all relational. The greatest commandment, what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, all sin is relational. It's not just some arbitrary thing. It damages our relationships with God, with self, and with others. And it's God's mercy to us Get this, it's his mercy to you that he would tell you this is sin. If you go down this road, it's not going to end well. It's gonna lead to death and destruction. Oh, and by the way, at the end of the story, we all stand before our God. Jesus, in Matthew 12, said, I tell you, on that day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word 
they speak. Every careless word we will give an account for. The Bible, God, takes the sin of slander very seriously. Friends, as we look at race and racial unity, I want you to be really, really careful. Be careful about what you say about other people. Be careful about what you post. Be careful about what you share because you might just be taking part in slander. Why do we slander? Why would we ever do that? Well, I came up with a few reasons. First is our suspicious minds. We are suspicious of the motives of other people. Greg Morse sees a woman, he thinks he hears a sound, she crosses the street and he's like, racism, clearly. He's suspicious of her motives and in our culture, suspicion equals intelligence, right? Smart people are suspicious. You should, you should assume the worst at all times. Somebody says something to you, you need to make sure that you're really being suspicious of whatever they're saying because they're probably trying to get some sort of leg up on you or something like that. We cast judgment based on our perceptions of what, why we think they did or said something. Investigative journalism has created a gotcha mentality, right? If we were, if we were to really dig into somebody, we would find the dirt that we know is there, Right? So we have suspicions. The second reason why is that we assume the worst. We assume the worst about other people. Assumption is taking uh, someone's past and projecting it onto someone else's present. So Greg Morris probably has all kinds of stories from his family over the past. They said, oh yeah, you know, that, that, that white person treated your, your uncle, your dad, your grandfather in this way. And so he has all this past, maybe his own stories of something that happened. And he could say, look, I've experienced this before. I know exactly what this is because they're all the same. And he could project that past experience onto someone else's present. He could assume the worst. The third reason why is we want to get justice so bad, but we get it on our, our own terms. And if we could just share something about that situation, it would just make us feel so much better, like something's being done about this. If I could just tell somebody about what I think just happened, or if I could post it online, then I'll have a sense of justice. But it's a vigilante justice that many times, if we're honest, it's really injustice. We could gossip. We could put a passive aggressive social media post up about a certain type of person out there. We can declare a person guilty until proven innocent. Lastly, I think we slander to justify or rationalize our own faults and shortcomings, right? Sometimes we slander just to justify ourselves. <laughs> we, like we're, we're aware of our imperfections, but when someone else is more imperfect than we are, we're like, point that one out. 
We can mask our own faults by highlighting and often exaggerating the faults of others. We feel like we got a leg up on them, right? That's why we slander. Now, following Greg's story of a woman, an elderly woman, walking towards a a young black family pushing a stroller on a sidewalk, can you think of any other possible reason why she might have crossed to the other side? Yeah, right? Perhaps she thought the sidewalk's cramped. They're pushing the stroller. It's going to be awkward to get past them on the sidewalk. I'm just going to cross the other side. Maybe, maybe that frustrated her. Maybe she didn't want to do that. And so maybe she did make a sound, but it was like, ugh, I don't want to cross the street, but I'm going to because it's, the sidewalk's cramped. Or Greg Moore says maybe there's a pandemic going on right now, and she's elderly, and she knows Coronavirus is typically more fatal to, the, to, to an, an older person. And so she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cross the street. And I don't want to. And so maybe she makes a sound that's like, ugh, cross the street. I mean, I think the important thing for us to understand is that there's a space between something that happens and the meaning we make of it. The question is, what do you fill the space with? Something happens and you make meaning of it. What is it that, what's the lens that makes you interpret what happens into what it means? And here's what I want to warn you. If what you're filling the gap with is suspicion, you're always going to be misinterpreting things that happen. You're going to assume the worst. We can't build our dreams together on suspicious minds. So what do we do with slander? What do we do with it? Well, Paul just says, don't do it. (laughs) That's pretty simple, right? Speak evil of no one. Don't do it. Now, parents, you know, when you tell your child, hey, don't do that, what's the response you're going to (laughs) get? Right? They're they're, going to look at you, maybe, and they're going to size you up, be like, is she serious right now? Is he serious right now? Then their mind's going to go to, I wonder what the consequences would be if I just did it again anyway, because I really want to do it again, but what would be the consequences if I just went ahead. So they're just sizing it up. And then they might ask the question, why? Right? Parents, we know that question. Why? To which we all say, because I said so. Right? Kids, y'all know this. Mom probably told you that today on the way to church. Why not, mom? Because I said so. Of course, that's not satisfying at all. And so they ask a follow-up question of, But why? (laughs) But why? And Paul graciously gives us a why. In verse 3 through 7, here's what he says. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were led astray. We were disobedient. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were passing our days in malice and envy 
hating one another and being hated, that sounds terrible. Verse four, but, one of the beautiful buts of the Bible, right? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, what he saved us. Not, not because of the works that we had done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Paul says, look, don't slander, don't speak evil of anyone because you used to be like that. You used to be there. That's who you were. But something changed. Something happened. And it wasn't because of your good works. It was because of the mercy of God that he has saved you. He saved you by his mercy the why. The why is God's mercy. Mercy is the ability to love the people that you're not supposed to love. Do you know that? Scripture says that we were God's enemies when Christ Jesus died for us. We were his enemies. And that's when he's like, I'm going to die for them. It's the ability to love people that we're not supposed to love. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. It's getting something better. And mercy triumphed over judgment in the cross of Jesus. God is full of mercy. To be born of God is to be born again in mercy. It's to be filled with mercy, to receive mercy, and to give mercy. The answer to the, our sin of slander is not a new law, it's a new heart. It's a new heart. It's exactly what Jesus has come to give us. So here's the point. Racism, racism is wrong. Yes, yes, it's absolutely wrong. And where there is overt racism, we absolutely stand against it. We shouldn't tolerate it. And in the same way, we should not tolerate the sin of slander. We should not tolerate falsely accusing, misrepresenting, and speaking evil of others because we suspect or assume the worst about them. And that could be in the secret of your heart or it could be the thing you just blasted on social media. But we should not, we should not tolerate the injustice of racism or slander. Because trying to solve injustice with injustice never, ever works. You know the old saying, right? Two wrongs don't make a right. And two injustices will never equal justice. Trying to solve racial disunity by slandering everyone that you think might be racist won't get us anywhere. It only puts one more log on a fire. So, don't forget the wisdom of the Velvet Elvis.
because we can't go on together with suspicious minds. Suspicious minds. We can't build our dreams on suspicious minds. Instead, may we be careful, as Paul says, to devote ourselves to good works because these things are excellent and profitable for people. And perhaps we could just remember the words of Paul as we close. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And to love somebody is not to assume the worst, but to hope for the best. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.